Bruce Newberry. The food dude. And uh, let's talk a little bit about a couple of possible scenarios about when we get back from this. Katie David is an associate professor, certified hospitality sales executive, and member of the faculty of the International Hotel School at the College of Hospitality Management at Johnson & Wales University. And I thought we could get some great insight here from Professor Davin. Katie, nice to have you with us. Nice to be here, Bruce. Thanks. Well, good to uh, good to talk to you. And it... Um, it really is going to be somewhat daunting for uh, this part of the economy to come back. What are you hearing? What are your uh, What's your perspective guided by your experience? People will want to travel again. They are due. They're cooped up in their homes and they're going to be ready to go. It's just a matter of when will they feel safe traveling again. That's, that's the big question. That is the big question, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it... it Maybe soon. Leisure travelers, that, that leisure travel segment tends to bounce back first after a crisis. Interesting. Leisure travel will come back before business, before conventions and meetings. Yes. At least that's, that's what's happened before. And we've now, we've never had anything quite like this, but other health scares and tragedies have happened before. And that's what usually happens first. What what do you compare this to, Katie? I'm with you. Uh, we've not had this on this scale, but we've had some things that are a little bit parallel. What are you What are you basing that on in terms of past recessions, mm-hmm. 9/11, and other health scares like SARS and Zika, where people were a little afraid to travel. That's that's what we have to go on, really. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, hundred percent. The uh, So the leisure comes back, but I have to tell you, I was speaking with uh, in a hotelier uh, who was a, a, a good friend and a business colleague, and the hotelier said to me, how are we going to go from being six feet apart to sleeping in my beds in my hotel? I don't know. You know, at least in a, in a hotel room, you've got a wall to protect you from other guests, and we can at so many hotels now we can check in from our phones we don't we might not even have to stop at the desk for a key so it can be still sort of a solitary experience where people are safe from each other All right. but not you know not everywhere right i think what's going to be interesting to see is conventions and meetings how is that going to look i mean eventually we'll have a vaccine and people will probably feel safe to get together again but in the meantime, what, what do we do? Set up the chairs six feet apart? Exactly. What are you going to do? You're going to have a meeting room that used to hold 200 people or 100 people, and now it holds 25? How can that work? Yeah, I think meanwhile. Oh, and, you know, there may be some face-to-face meetings that kind of gradually come back where there's also a live streaming option. So the people who don't want to attend or are afraid to attend can still participate. How? What's that component like now, uh, Professor Katie Davin? We have gotten very used to the Zoom and very used to the go-to-meeting in a short amount of time. And I don't see that going away entirely, do you? No, I don't. But, you know, every few years somebody says, oh, nobody's going to want face-to-face meetings anymore because we we don't need, need them because we have the technology. But 
man, have you been to a Zoom meeting with like 50 people in it or something? It's it's not the same. It is not just, the same. It's like watching it's not, a it's like watching a giant split screen. You can't you can't keep up. <laughs> That's right. And and a lot of the most valuable interaction happens after the meeting, before the meeting, over a coffee break, um, just sort of chatting in your seat before the meeting starts. And we don't have that with Zoom and some of the other types of technology. Exactly. It's great. It's a great supplement, but we need to talk to people and see people. We're, we need that. You are so right. And this this is what has happened. I have a, a, an ever-lengthening list, Professor Katie, about uh, that uh, things that were changed or cast off or put by the boards that shouldn't have been because they matter. And one of them is face-to-face business. You, you, hey, we have to seal things with a handshake. Why don't we go back to that? <laughs> right. Uh, a nice elbow bump. A elbow bump is, is not legally <laughs> binding, I don't think. <laughs> but, no, not but, yet. Not yet, anyway, right? But you're so right. You can't have a breakout session on Zoom. You can't say, hey, you know, can we talk a little bit more and have a sidebar about this? Because this is an excellent idea. I think I have an opportunity. I've got a way that I would like to, to put this into effect and we can get this going today. You can't do that on Zoom. Not not quite. And some of the platforms do have little breakout technology. There's some capability for doing that. but it's And, and I'm sure it will continue to improve. But I'm just not convinced that that this is the end. I'm with you. There's a larger aspect to it, too, and I'm afraid that we have a generation that is incapable of making a decision anyway. And so we have, due to a lot of economic uh, uh, circumstances, we have a lot of uh, corporate ownership of local businesses that does not empower or or takes the power away from anyone whose boots on the ground on the local local level and i'm afraid that has become indoctrinated generationally so it becomes a bigger issue it does it does it, everybody it, it's not easy to look somebody in the eye and give them bad news or ask them to buy something from you but it it's the best way to do it it is you're so in right person. You're so right. We're talking with Professor Katie Davin, hotel and travel and tourism expert. She is a faculty member of the Hospitality College at Johnson & Wales University. Okay, so the conventions and meetings are going to look different. The leisure travel comes back first. I mean, people are going to want to definitely get in the car and go to Newport, go to Vermont, uh, go to uh, the, the resorts and come back and, and get our lives back. But what is going to incentivize us to pack the bag, jump in the car, and get away? Besides the cabin fever? Oh, well, that's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, less risk is going to make it easier for people to do that. So I think we'll see discounted rates. And I know already we're going to see more generous cancellation policies. So where before maybe you had to prepay and it was non-refundable for a room, you're going to have a lot more opportunity. Give a credit card to reserve it and cancel 24 hours in advance without any penalty. I would just caution travelers to look at that. Look at the fine print before you, you know, before you hit that book button. Yeah. But that means, okay, we want to take a vacation with the family. You know, maybe just a, a local trip. We'll go to Newport for the weekend in July. And then July comes and you think, ah, you know, I'm not ready yet. You can still 
push that back. He can change that to another date. Airlines, too, are being so much more flexible than they were, at least for now. I had a a trip booked uh, to London for late March, so of course I couldn't go. And uh, the airline changed it to an open ticket to the end of the year. And I just got an email saying, that's an open ticket until May of 2022. Wow. I know. That is great. Well, you know, there's a whole school of thought about the airline business, but (laughs) that's a whole other thing. It's another discussion, yes. It is another discussion. We are talking with Associate Professor Katie Davin, hotel travel tourism expert, College of Hospitality Management at Johnson & Wales University. I mean, we can talk about incentives all we want to, Katie, but it's going to take more than that, isn't it? Yes, people... People need to feel safe, not only financially safe, that they won't lose their shirt if they book and have to cancel, but also just safe from disease, from viruses and bacteria. Right. So the the hotels that have to assure people that they're going to be safe in those rooms. Yeah. I mean, do you see a do you see some kind of a standard being adopted? Have you heard any talk about anything like that in the industry? Well, you know, it's it's already there that that's that's always been the most important thing to most guests, right? That what's the basic expectation you have about a hotel room? That it's going to be clean. Of course. But now they, they really want to be assured that it doesn't just look clean. The hospitals use, most, most hotels use hospital-grade disinfectant to clean their rooms. Now they got to tell their guests, this is what we use. And the high-touch areas, of course, those those will have to be cleaned more often and visibly. Definitely. I think we're going to want to see somebody out there with with the spray bottle and the, and the clean cloth cleaning these high-touch areas, the elevator buttons, handles, all these things. I didn't even think of the elevator buttons. The, <laughs> I stay mostly in this old Don't inn and it much. doesn't have an elevator. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, oh, my gosh, I I can't imagine I can't imagine. You're so right, though. You're going to have to see the visibility. And what does this do now? What does this do to these folks who are working to keep us clean? We've, we're going to turn them into kind of first responders and healthcare workers, aren't we? <laughs> right. And, and But that's, that's what they were already. They're used to working hard and, and having pride in the cleanliness of the, you know, their products. So I don't know if that's going to be that much different, but it's uh, it, maybe they're just going to have to clean more often in those areas that maybe were only cleaned once a day. Oh yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to see some proof, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. At least for now. At least for now. Do you see any particular destinations maybe getting a benefit? Oh, that's a tough one. Or I just kind of thought of it. <laughs> well, I would. I would say just in each region, I think the first place people will want to take a vacation is in their own area. So around here, Rhode Island, I mean, this is a beautiful place. We are a vacation destination. So you can see Rhode Islanders just not wanting to get on an airplane yet, maybe, but get in the car and take a long weekend. The staycation, the tank of gas for sure. Right. (laughs) That's right. I agree. And I think that it may actually serve us well, depending on how this shakes itself out, 
the fact that we are not New York and that we uh, are not even Connecticut and and the numbers may actually work in our favor in terms of, uh, do, you, do you think that'll happen? Do you think people will say, well, they only had this many cases in Maine, so I'll go there. Do you think that might be a consideration? I think it might. It feels like a getaway. It feels more spread out, less like a, a dense urban area. Well, yes. certainly Maine is that way. Definitely. Well, that was, it's interesting that you say that because I think we may be onto something, Katie Devon, because if we think about it, that's what kind of started the trouble in some areas to begin with. Now, I spend a lot of time in Vermont and the the big spread in Vermont was from the influx of people with second homes who came from places like Washington and New York City and Boston and mm-hmm. brought the virus with them. It's true. So it's true and here too in, in certain parts of New England. Yes. And so and and they shut that down in a in a hurry, but now the the curve in Maine and Vermont and a few other places has dropped down. They only had four cases in Vermont the other day. That's good news. So I wonder if that's I, I it, um, and again, this is just kind of stream of consciousness here, but I think we may be onto something. I think that we will start. One of the questions we're going to start asking our tourism authorities, our our Evan Smiths and our uh, Kristen Adamos, how many cases did you have? How fast did you get over this? Do you think we'll start really being more concerned about health as much as you know? How's the food? Yes, it'll be right there on those those tourism websites, those destination websites with, uh, with facts, positive facts. Yes. While this is a great insight here from your experience, Professor Katie Davin, associate professor at the College uh, International Hotel School in the College of Hospitality Management. How long have you been doing this? Well, I've been in the hotel business for well, I don't want to say, but I've been at Johnson & Wales for over 20 years in the hotel business before that. Terrific. And still love it. Whereabouts were you in the hotel business, if I may ask? I was in the Boston area at various Marriott hotels. Oh, excellent. Yes. Nothing like the uh, nothing like the big companies for their systems. I mean, I my beat is the restaurant beat, and I mean we're we're blessed to have so many independent restaurateurs within sound of our voice, thousands of them really. But most of them will say to you, a good number of them will say, you know what? I know what I know because I worked in corporate and I learned the systems. Is it the same in the in the hotel biz? It's the same. I learned so much at Marriott, and they're still they're still teaching me. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. And and that was the way that they were founded, you know, with Mr. Marriott, right? That's right. And Mr. His, his son, the current Mr. Marriott, still still in charge. Well, there you go. So good to talk to you. Thanks very, very much for the time and uh, especially the expertise. And uh, I, I think we're on to something here. I, I think that you've given us some great insight and we really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure, Bruce. Thanks. All right, Katie, take good care. Professor Katie Davin from Johnson & Wales University. Bruce Newberry. The food dude. This hour, we welcome back Professor Katie Davin from the Hospitality College at Johnson & Wales University. Hi, Katie. Hi, Bruce. Well, it's great to have you back. We wanted to have you back on and speak about what may be the shape of things to come even more so than when we were on the last time, because there is at least one hotel that may be at least in part doing some practices that we 
may find at hotels and hotels lead to dining as we travel and as things get turned back on. Uh, did you see the article? I did. I saw it. It was an eye opener. It was. It was the Four Seasons Hotel in New York, and the hotel is housing the first responders. And they have really taken some measures that are certainly sound hygiene measures and sanitation measures, but I think some of those are going to stick around after things get reopened. Uh, What are your thoughts? I agree. One of them was eliminating daily housekeeping. So say you're staying in a hotel for five days, normally... Um, someone would come in and make your bed and give you fresh towels and straighten up the place. And I think that that might be eliminated, at least in the short term. It might be just on request. And I think guests are going to want that. Stay out of my room. Don't touch my stuff. Yes, don't touch my stuff. Uh, You're so right. And, I mean, even, again, one of those things that, why didn't we think of this before? Well, it's a... It's hospitality. I'm welcoming you into my home, and so I want you to be comfortable and not have to do a thing. So let me come in and freshen up the place and make you just feel special. And that's that's where the daily housekeeping came from, I think. But it's not practical at the moment. No, it isn't. And then isn't. there's anything that, that guests can, can touch is going to have to be cleaned, all the hard surfaces. And can we talk about mini bars? I think that we have, I I don't think we're talking about mini bars anymore. I think we've seen the last of the mini bar. I think we have. They have always been kind of a problem. It's a nice convenience for guests, but well, say you're, if you're a guest and you, you pull out that $7 Snickers, (laughs) you're going to get charged when (laughs) when the housekeeper might take an inventory and see the Snickers is missing and that goes on your bill. Or if it's the electronic you know, the, the electronic sensor mini yes, bars? Yes, yes. So you take the $6 can of Diet Pepsi out, and <laughs> that gets charged to your bill. And you look at it and you say, nah, I don't want this. So you put it back, and the sensor senses movement and charges you twice for the Diet Pepsi right. you never had. So it's always been a, a kind of a, a source of write-offs. Guests complain at the front desk, and I never had this, and it ends up getting written off anyway. What I could see is what we're seeing, I think, more anyway, is um, little refrigerators that are empty. Those are easy to clean, and guests can bring their own things and put in there, which they'd like to do anyway, but there was never any room because of all of those nips and candy bars and things that are <laughs> that are in there already. <laughs> and if you've got the little convenience area or pantry in the lobby, which some hotels have now, they can purchase their own things. Sure, but these hotels are saying that the hotels are saying that those are all going to go away, or at least this the, uh, this the, study, this case study. I shouldn't say you know there hasn't been the, any industry right, the, thing. Anything but. that's self service, so that's that's true. It might have to be someone manning the little convenience area, or somebody at the front desk. You say, "I'll have the peanut M and M's," and they give it to you. It's yeah, it's so much to think about. Uh, it's so much. Those popular breakfast buffets, free breakfast with those nice um, select service hotels that give a hot breakfast for free. I think you'll still get that, but it might be a pre-wrapped breakfast sandwich that an attendant will hand to you so you're not grabbing it and touching others. Or it may may turn into a full service 
a dining type uh, situation where you know that it came out of a commercial kitchen. Cooked to order. Cooked yeah. to order. Mm-hmm. No, no helping ourselves. Because I, I think, do you think that we would still trust restaurants and chefs and, and good practices in commercial kitchens. I'm thinking that we will still trust those because we've, we've not lost trust in those thus far. The restaurants are, are adapting, pivoting, we're taking to take out. And so that part of life and hospitality has pivoted. I think that we will still have that trust even in a hotel setting. What do you think? I think we will. I think We'll trust them even more because everybody's um, stepping up their sanitation standards. So we'll trust the chefs and the staff. We might not so much trust the other guests. Yes, that's the key. And that was always the key in the self-serve buffet and the free breakfast and so forth. Uh, (laughs) True. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, um, in terms of um, in terms of touches, uh, you and I talked about this the last time you were right on it. Check in, check out, no touch. What about the elevator? What about the touch surfaces? Well, this case study in the four seasons, I mean, you could have written it. <laughs> right. No touch. No, no, uh, manual check-in, no keys being handed over. Now, not every hotel has that capability yet, but a lot of them already had it. Uh, Hilton's digital keys that they developed a few years ago and they've rolled out. Now you just check in on your phone, go right to your room, and the phone unlocks your door so you never have to talk to anyone or hand anything over. And checkout, I mean, express checkout's been around for decades. Um, So if that's not going to happen everywhere just because they might not have the technology yet, but... All those card keys, if you're going to be using a card key or a real key, all of those will have to be disinfected before they get handed over. Well, that was the first thing I thought of. I stay at an, at an inn, a beautiful old inn, and it has keys, and it's part of the charm and all of that. But And look, I... I know the folks that are checking me in, and I can vouch for them, and they're, they've become like family. But not everybody loves them like I do. <laughs> right, right, but that key, that key can be cleaned pretty easily. That can be disinfected for before the next guest uses it. So for a small operation, I don't know how tough that would be to adapt. Probably not too hard. So just the idea that, and I guess because of the fact that we know who's doing this, and there's a very, very small number of people who are doing, if they take this added cleaning measure, uh, that'll be okay and and we'll be confident enough. I think so. Most of us will. I will. We're talking with Professor Katie Davin from Johnson Wales University about the future of hospitality, travel, hotel stays and inns and beds and breakfasts and things like that. Katie, we were talking about uh, maybe some of the technological solutions to all this. You know, we do away with the keys and go to keyless entry and electronic check-in and so forth. How much of a heavy lift is it going to be for some of these bed and breakfast operators to ramp up to that level of technology? They might not be able to. They Certainly they can step up their cleaning, but I don't think they're, the, a bed and breakfast is going to be able to go to uh, keyless 
digital entry to guest rooms. So they'll just have to be, um, they'll still be personable, but they'll have to stay six feet away from guests who are checking in. They hand over a key, they might be wearing gloves, and the key's been disinfected. Yeah. Uh, before you get that good old-fashioned metal key. That's it. And we will have to be shown, I think, that that has been taken care of, I think, at least in the early going. We will. And there's just um, there's going to be that hard surface cleaning, regular cleaning. Right. Uh, cleaning yeah. of hotel rooms, it's going to have to be you know, fresh, a new rag for every new new room. Can't be reusing the cleaning, you know, the cleaning supplies, cleaning rags in yes. between guest rooms. So there's going to be a lot of that to just keep on top of. So in this example, and this is a news story, the Four Seasons in New York, which was housing first responders and still is, and some of the extreme measures that they were taking, and not everything is going to become standard operating procedure in the new whatever, right? But one thing that was really interesting, two things were really interesting. I can I can definitely see this in the future. When you check in, you get three bags for linens and laundry. Right. So if you want fresh towels, then because nobody's going into their room every day, right? The housekeeper isn't going in to refresh the room in that example and in what we might see in the future. So how do they know that you need new towels? So you put your soiled towels in the bag and call housekeeping, tell them what you need, and they come up, take the old one, and give you fresh towels. Um, same thing with sheets. Uh, it's... It's pretty simple. No technology required there, just a phone call. I mean, the other option is some hotels might have you put those in the hall, but I, I'm not. that wasn't in the Four Seasons example. Can you see a bunch of dirty laundry bags in the halls? No, the who's going to want to walk around there? those? No, they're not going to want that. So it's, it's going to be a phone call. Yeah. We are very, very familiar, and we're going to become more familiar with social distancing and the six-foot distance and all that. So... They're going to have to put the pool chairs six feet apart. Pool chairs, restaurant seating, beach chairs, everybody's going to have to be spread out. If, the, if they have a fitness center and they keep that open, then they'll have to um, have maybe people sign up for times to keep the crowds down and mm-hmm. be on every other machine or spread the machines out. Anything that we're doing now in, in our lives or as cities open up, the hotels and resorts will have to do that too. Yeah. Employees will have to be checked as they come in, temperature check, immediate hand washing, and then hourly hand washes or or, uh, hand sanitizer if they can't get to a sink. So those will all have to be increased and monitored more. Monitoring is the key. What's the burden of proof, Katie Davin? What is the burden of proof on the hotel operator, on the manager to say, yes, this is this is how we can show that our staff wash their hands every hour and that the surface was sanitized every hour or whatever the interval is? They'll have to have written standards and be really confident when they explain those, I mean, at some point, you talked about trust earlier. At some point, as guests, we do have to trust they're doing what they say they're doing. So it's still be, it comes back to good old hospitality, and that's the reason it why does. you come back to a favorite place. <laughs> it's true. There you go. So it becomes more and more 
important. Add this to the never-ending list, Katie. I have this endless list of things that we should have paid attention to before this that mattered, and now we're having to come to grips with it. And this is it. it sure the matter. trust in the hotelier, the trust in the innkeeper, the trust in the manager, the trust in the uh, housekeeper, and the chef, and the server, and the line cook, and the valet... And they all have to know what a devastating effect an outbreak at their property would have on the hotel because everybody's going to know about it, right? That'll make the news. If we get back to normal, people start traveling again, and then there's a, a hot spot in a resort. That's going to make the news. So that wow. should be enough to motivate us to follow our protocols and the standards. Isn't that the truth? Wow. So... What about, now in this Four Seasons example, the last part of this is after the guest checks out. And this is really out of, like out of some futuristic movie. The room is left vacant for 24 hours. And then the cleaning crew comes in 24 hours after the guest leaves, hazmat suits, does a deep cleaning. The room is then left empty for another 24 hours. And then it's cleaned again. Oh, I know. Oh, and... You know, how do you have 100% occupancy in a hotel? You can't do it every night if you're, if you're doing that, if you're waiting. But in the meantime, as we ramp up, as people slowly begin to travel, I could see that. I could see that happening. The, the other recommendation that, that I've been reading about is if you have low occupancy in the past, the standard was, well, just use one area of the hotel so you can, you know, concentrate your services there. Um let's not do that now so we can spread people out so you could have an empty room in between two occupied rooms so the the whole building might be used even if it's only 35% occupied that makes sense i wonder if you just gave me an idea i'm thinking of a large capacity restaurant and there still are a few of them around and maybe maybe two things maybe a section of the hotel at a time is used and then shut down and deep cleaned. That's a, definitely a way to do it for sure. And you could do the same thing with a high capacity restaurant. There's a 600 seat restaurant, uh, probably a few of them within sound of our voice. And so maybe you use a third of that restaurant and you use that for a day or so and then shut that down, deep clean it and go to the second third. Right. As long as in that one-third that you're using, you can still keep your guests spread out. Get in there with that, that sprayer with the disinfectant and mm-hmm. keep clean the whole thing. And we're going to get better at this. We're going to find that certain things work. I mean, just the fellow who was on out of the uh, Homeland Security that says that uh, a spray works almost as well as a wipe. A wipe works better, but a spray works okay. And as we hmm. find out what works and what doesn't, as long as you're using the right stuff... Um, I go back to something that we talked about when you were on the last time, Katie Davin from Johnson and Wales. It seems to me that there would have to be some kind of a standard that would give us confidence. Well, okay, this place did this according to this. So that means they did it right. And I think there has to be some kind of a, a benchmark, doesn't there? Like a, a good housekeeping seal. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, um, lodging magazine just came out with an article a few days ago that, uh, you know, a couple of big organizations are doing that. So Marriott launched a global cleanliness council where they're getting experts together to come up with standards, and they already have some standards in place. 
And then Accor Hotels got together with a testing and certification bureau called Bureau Veritas, um, and they're working on developing a label to certify that the appropriate safety standards and cleaning protocols have been in place. So then once that once that gets launched, a traveler could check and see if that if a hotel has that stamp of approval before they make a reservation. There you go. That has to that has to be key. Uh, mm-hmm. and that has to be adopted on a wide scale in a Newport it seems to me. Yes. And I mean maybe that's something that Discover Newport adopts. You know, you belong to Discover Newport, you adhere to these standards. I could definitely see that. I can yeah, see that. I mean, this and this is all pretty new. It changes every day, but that that could be our future. It could be. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Not at all. You know what? Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing the matter with this. And, uh, no. You know, for sure. I hate the reason, but but long term, we could have a lot cleaner, safer places to stay. You've got it. Always good to talk to you. And uh, let's see where we go and uh, what kind of predictors we are here. Okay. Uh, Professor Katie Davin, thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Bruce. All right, you stay safe and healthy. Have a great weekend, and we thank you so very, very much for the expertise. Pretty good to have the America's Hospitality College right here in the backyard, huh? Bruce Newberry. The food dude.